Alright, so we're at February the 4th, uh, Nehemiah chapter 9, the Jerusalem Project, lesson 14. Does everybody have a handout? Okay. Uh, Roger, can you bring a handout up here for Angela? And we're going to get going. So, it seems to me it's like I've been stuck on chapter 9 here for a while. I don't know about the rest of you. But... <laughs> But there's a lot in chapter 9. And uh, uh, there's a lot in the rest of the chapter we're going to look at today. But what we see here so far in the review on your handout there is what we're having in this chapter is we're, we're having a come to the Lord meeting. You know, today we call it, we're, you know, having a come to Jesus meeting. They literally are having a come to the Lord meeting, okay? And so they confessed their sins, there was action taking, uh, taken, and then God was blessed. They blessed God by their, by what they said. And, and what I noticed, uh, in the last couple of weeks, the Levites were the ones that took, took center stage with this, not the priests. And so I kind of wonder about that. But the Levites here, uh, I apparently had been getting some instruction from Ezra because he was already a scribe and he's working with them to get them up to speed. And so um, they are taking uh, action here and they're leading the people and coming to the Lord and, and getting ready for worship to happen. And so we have to think about this. that the nation had been taken captive and had been taken to a different had been taken to Babylon and Persia for 70 years they got back in the land and it, everything had not been put back together completely yet it's it's taken Zerubbabel it's taken Ezra and it's taken Nehemiah just to get everything all the pieces back together to where they really are, are to a point where they can start serving the Lord again and so we're, we're going to go through the rest of the chapter here, and basically what we see is a history of, of the Israelites, and specifically the, the disobedience that they've had, and versus God's righteousness. And so, um, and yet we see this over and over in the Bible. We see it in Acts chapter 7 with Stephen. He gives a big long history, uh, of the Israelites. We see it in Jeremiah in Psalms 106. Brian's been preaching on it on Jeremiah 32. If you're paying attention, I thought that was awesome. It's really neat when when we teach something or I'm teaching something in here and we go into the main service and Brian just hits right on it. And I'm like, yes, you know, like like yeah, Brian's on. No, it's like it's a God thing. I mean, I did not coordinate anything with Brian, and, and I'm sure the other pastors have the same approach. But Jeremiah 32, and I may read part of that chapter today, because it, it's another one of these come to the Lord meetings. Uh, so we'll see it in uh, Ezekiel chapter 11. You'll see it all over and over in God's Word. You'll see this. Uh, you know, years ago there was a TV show, and I'll tell you how old I am. There was an old TV show, even before, way before me even, that it was called This Is Your Life. Has anybody heard, seen that? Okay, several of us. I would, if it's a younger generation, probably nobody knows. But they would, and I don't even really remember, I just kind of remember it. I don't remember all the details. But it was like they would bring some, some, somebody that's prominent, some actor or somebody that people knew, and they'd bring him in, and they would start talking about what this person has done. 
And I don't know if the end they'd go, and, and then they would announce who who that person was. So I think half the TV show was you're at home, you're watching it, and you're trying to determine who they were talking about. Was that how it worked? Okay, because again, I need some help here, especially for all you older people, or TV people. And so, you know, it'd be. Can you imagine bringing you up in a state, or bringing, or start talking about somebody? And, and then you bring that person up and it's, hey, it's this person. And you're like, you're probably sitting there thinking, oh, I didn't think it'd be that guy. <laughs> or maybe everybody knew. I don't know. But it's kind of like one of those with Israel, with this uh, come to the Lord meeting, because everything that Israel had been doing is revealed. And it's usually what we see on these is, is a negative approach. And uh, And again, this was not Israel's first rodeo here. This happens over and over. In the book of Judges, we see it over and over. They would do what's right and they'd fall off. They'd be judged. God would bring in a, a judge to help them get out of the mess. And they'd turn around and go right back to it, you know, just like a, a pig to the slop. they just turn around and do that over and over and over. We see that. And even today, they're right back in that same mess. So we got to be careful we don't get in that. And so... Um, Basically, what we're seeing here in Nehemiah chapter 9 is, this is your life, Israel, and all the negative stuff is coming out. So let's go ahead, and uh, we're going to start, I think, in verse... uh, We'll start in verse 7. And I'm just going to read the rest of the chapter. And then we're going to back up and look at it a little bit. I may want to go to Jeremiah 32 and read a little bit of that. But uh, again, over... you know. Repetition's a cost of learning, right? And yet, when it's you that that's in, on the spotlight, you don't like it all the time. But you know, it's kind of like our kids; we have to keep telling them over and over. And then I remember when when our daughter was in high school, and we were and we're at the high school, and the teachers are talking, and said, "By this time, your kids have got to this level of maturity." And I'm looking at my wife. I'm like, "I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think you're there yet." <laughs> I mean, I'd like for them to get there. And it's like even maybe 10 years down the road, I don't know if they're there yet. But it's like, you know, maybe by the time they're 70, they'll got they'll get it figured out. Or 50 or something, I don't know. Maybe I don't have it figured out, I don't know. But anyway, it's like, why do we have to keep going over and over and over and over things? And that's exactly what we see here happening. And so what we need to learn from that is we don't want to be like them. We want. We don't want to continually have to go back and do like a First John one nine. You know, I use that verse way too much in my life. <laughs> I wish I didn't have to use it so much. You know, I go back and confess things with God. But let's go ahead and start in verse six. And let me read through this. And uh, again, just to figure out where we're at here. And what did I tell you? We we're going to start in verse six or seven. Yeah. Okay, start in verse 6. Thou, even thou, art Lord alone. Thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth, and all the things that are therein, the seas, and all that is therein, and thou preservest them all, and the host of heaven worshipeth thee. We we talked about that last week. Verse 7. Thou art the Lord, the God, who did chose Abram and brought us to him forth out of Ur of Chaldees and gave us to him the name of Abraham and founded 
foundest his heart faithful before thee and madest a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Jebusites, and the Gershites, and the Termites. No, I just do that. <laughs> to give it, I say, to his seed and has performed thy words for thou art righteous. So in the middle of all this, they're, they're just going back to not necessarily the beginning, but beginning of the nation somewhat with Abraham. And they just start listing out what God is doing for them or has done for them. Verse 9, And did see the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry by the Red Sea and showed, showed us signs and wonders upon Pharaoh and on all his servants and all the people of the, his land. For thou knewest that they dealt proudly against them. So didst thou get thee a name as it is in this day. And thou didst divide the sea before them so that they went through the midst of the sea on the dry land. And their persecutors thou showedest unto the, threwest into the deep, I'm sorry, as a stone into the mighty waters. Moreover thou lettest them in the day by a cloudy pillar and in the night by a pillar of fire to give them light in the way wherein they should go. Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai and spakest with them from heaven and gavest them right judgments and true laws and good statutes and commandments and madest known unto them thy holy Sabbath and commandest them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses thy servant and gavest them bread from heaven for their hunger and broughtest forth water for them out of the rock for their thirst, and promised them that they should go in to possess the land which thou hast sworn to give them. Okay, everything's positive up to this point, right? Verse 16, But they and our fathers dealt proudly and hardened their necks, and hearkened not to thy commandments. Have you ever thought about... How many of you have read they hardened their necks before in the Bible? You ever wonder what are they, what is that what do they really do? Strengthen their neck up? I mean, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't see people going around stretching their neck out, you know, a whole lot. Maybe Rodney Dangerfield does when he used to do all his comic. But I mean, I don't see people do that. But over and over we see that in here. Not willing to obey God. Not willing to do what he wanted them to do. Right, so they just, you know, they just get stiff. <laughs> They won't bow their head. Oh, that's, I hadn't thought of that. They won't turn from their sin. They wouldn't turn from their sin. So, all those things. So, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, what they're doing physical. It's more of what they're doing. That's a good comment. Thank you, Roger. I learned something this morning. Okay. And where are we at here? They hard, they, they hardened their necks and hearkened not to thy commandments. Verse 17. And refused to obey. Neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them, but hardened their necks, there it is again, and in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and forsookest them not. Do you ever read in the Old Testament when they're going through the wilderness and they kept doing all the stuff they're doing and you just sit there and you shake your head and you're like, how can somebody see these miracles and then turn around and go opposite? I mean, how many of us have ever seen God part the Red Sea besides on TV? You know, how many of us saw the have seen miracles like Pharaoh? You know what happened with Egypt? 
and then to see all that and then just turn their back on God. I don't get it. I don't get it. But maybe, you know, probably happens to me in my life. There's miracles going on all the time and I just don't recognize them as being miracles. But yet, how do they do this? Uh, Verse 18. Yea, and when they had made them a molten calf and said, This is thy God that brought thee up out of Egypt. Wow! Can you imagine that? Now, wait a minute. They were there. They know who brought them out. And then they make a calf and say, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. It's a wonder God didn't just whack all of them right then, right? Verse 19. He said he was going to, but then Moses said, nope. Then Egypt and all the places around us will think that, oh, you just took them out to kill them. Okay. There is a time there that, that, that God is mad at Israelites for doing this. And so he tells Moses, stand back because I'm going to whack them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's my version of it. Yeah. Okay. And then right after, and then Moses says, oh, don't, don't do that. Because then like you said, then they'll hear it. All the other nations will hear it and they'll think that you're not a great God. And then just a little while later, Moses is praying to God saying, I want you to come down here and kill everybody. <laughs> and God's like, no, 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 no. He came around on God's way of thinking. I know. And so if they would have just got on the same page, Israel would have been wiped out a long time ago. Good point. Okay, so where are we? So, verse 19. I'm sorry, I'm just reading through this and I just was like, how do you... I can't sit still just reading it, let alone what's going on. They start thinking that it's about them and not about God. Just like we do sometimes. Yeah. Our salvation is not about us. Yeah. We, they, yeah. That's pretty good there, Roger. Pretty good point. Well, he's so we're so good, he's just going to keep taking care of us. I didn't have to bow my head to him before he led me out of Egypt. Why do I why do I need to now? Because I'm so good. He's going to keep keep taking care of me. Mm. I'm the chosen one, and he will not do anything to the chosen one. But here's the bad. But here's what's taking place, though: is instead of worshiping God, they're going back to the golden calf. That's what's wild to to get out of the slop, and then want to turn around and go back into it after after you got something good. Oh well, but that's what they do. That's what we all do if we're not very careful. Verse nineteen. Let's get going. It says, "Yet thou and thy manifold mercies forsook them not in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud departed not from them by day, to lead them in the way. Neither the pillar of fire by night, to show them light and the way wherein they should go. Thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them, and withheldest not thy manna from their mouth, and gavest them water for their thirst." Yea, forty years didst thou sustain them in the wilderness, so that they lacked nothing. Their clothes waxed not old, and their feet swelled not. Moreover, thou gavest them kingdoms and nations, and didst divide them into corners, so they possessed the land of Sihon, and the land of the king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. Their children also multipliest thou as the stars of heaven, and broughtest them into the land concerning which thou hadst promised to their fathers that they should go in to possess it. So the children went in and possessed the land, and thou subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites that gavest them into their hands with their kings and the people of the land 
that they might do with them as they would. And they took strong cities and a fat land and possessed houses full of all goods, well-sticked vineyards and olive yards and fruit trees in abundance. So they did eat and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in thy great goodness. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and they rebelled against thee and cast thy law behind their backs and slew thy prophets which testified against them to turn them to thee, and they wrought a great provocations. Therefore, thou deliverest them into the hand of their enemies who vexed them, and in the time of their trouble when they cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven, and according to the manifold mercies thou gavest them saviors who saved them out of the hand of their enemies. So now we're up into Judges period. He's talking about uh, the saviors there. Verse 28, But after they had rest, they did evil again before thee. Therefore leftest thou them in the hand of their enemies, so that they had dominion over them. And yet when they returned and cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven, and many times didst thou deliver them according to thy mercies, and testified against them that thou mightest bring them again into thy law. Yet they dealt proudly and hearkened not unto thy commandments, but sinned against thy judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them and withdrew their shoulder, and hardened their neck. Here's that phrase again. And would not hear. Not only did they harden their neck, they stuck their fingers in their ears. Okay. Yet many years didst thou forbear them, and testified against them by the Spirit and the prophets. Yet would they not give ear. Therefore gavest them into the hand of the people of the lands. Nevertheless, for thy great mercy's sake, thou didst not utterly consume them, nor forsake them, for thou art a gracious and merciful God. Now therefore our God, the great, the mighty, and the terrible God, who keepest covenant and mercy, let not all the trouble seem little before thee, that thou hast come, that hath come upon us, on our kings, and on our princes, and on our priests, and on our prophets, and on our fathers, and on all thy people, since the time of the kings of Assyria unto this day. Okay. Howbeit, verse 33, Thou art just in all that is brought upon us, for Thou hast done right, but we have done wickedly. Neither have our kings, our princes, our priests, nor our fathers kept Thy law, nor hearkened unto Thy commandments and Thy testimonies, wherewith Thou didst testify against them. For they have not served Thee in their kingdom, and in Thy great goodness that Thou gavest them in the large and fat land which Thou gavest before them. Neither turnest thou they from their wicked works. Behold, we are servants this day, and for the land that thou gavest, gavest unto our fathers to eat the fruit thereof and the good thereof, behold, we are all servants in it, and it yieldeth much increase unto the kings whom thou hast set over us because of our sins. Also they have dominion over our bodies and over our cattle and at their pleasure, and we are in great distress." And because of all this, we make a sure covenant and write it and our princes, Levites and priests, and seal unto it. Okay, so there's a lot there. And basically, they're, they're, he's, they're saying, you know, we've, we've messed up over and over and over. And even into this day, we are still in control by other kings other than the kings of our land. And we're in distress. So they're probably paying taxes. Anybody know what that's like? I mean, we're kind of in the same boat. I mean, you get down... Right now, the farmers in Europe are, are revolting. 
And the main reason? They got so many taxes on them, they said they can't make a living. And so the same thing here, he goes, we're in great distress because even though we're back in the land and you're, you're blessing us and everything, we're still not out of control of, of, the, of these other kings that are not in the land. And so they're wanting to come back to God. They're wanting to admit everything that's gone wrong and they're wanting to do a redo. Let's start this over again. So that's what's going on here. And so, uh, and again, if I have time in a minute, I might go back to Jeremiah 32 because it basically says the same thing uh, also. But uh, we'll, we'll move on for, for time's sake. So on our handout here, number one is uh, what we see here in Nehemiah 7 through 38 is God's righteousness versus Israel's disobedience. And number one says God's righteous acts are shown in the covenants made with Israel. So a covenant is an agreement. It's a promise. It's a contract. It's a, get this, a coming together. And yet that's what they're doing in this whole, in this whole chapter is a uh, coming together, that coming to the Lord meeting is what's going on. And so we can see God's righteousness by the covenants that He's made with His people. Uh, under A, there's a, first of all, the covenant made with Abraham. He mentions Abraham. Abraham goes in your blank. Okay? So remember a couple of years ago for you that was, uh, the people that was in the class when we were going through, uh, uh, we went through, uh, kind of a series of what God had done for certain people in the Bible. And Abraham was one of the people that we dealt with. And so God made a covenant with Abraham. And God gave him and his seed the land. And not only did they give him the land, it was forever. So there's a big controversy right now in the nation of Israel. Whose land is it? Well, all we have to do is go back to the Bible to see it is given by God. It's actually God's land, but He gives it to the Israelites. Okay, And we saw that in Genesis 13. 15, 15, 18, 17, 19, those places that are listed in your handout. So he gives them the land and he promises Abram that he, out of him would be a great nation. Now that, again, another, that's part of this covenant. And, and he promised him, he promised Abram a great name. In fact, he changes his name from Abram to Abraham. He promises him a great blessing. He says, I will Bless those that bless thee, and I'll curse those that curse thee. That's still going on today. And so God confirmed the covenant not only with Abraham, but we see it also with Isaac and Jacob, and even down to this day. That covenant is still in place. Okay, so he made a covenant with Abraham, and he made a covenant with... What do you think goes in your next blank? Moses. Moses. Yeah, he made a covenant with Moses. And he gave him the law. And he also gave him the Sabbath. So each one of these covenants, God gave him a sign that goes along with it. With Abraham, the sign was circumcision. With Moses, it was the Sabbath. That was the sign here. And we see that in Exodus. Uh, in fact, let's just go back and look at it. Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus 31, 12. Twelve through eighteen. And when you guys get there, we'll, I'll read this. 
And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily, my Sabbaths ye shall keep, for it is a what? It's a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. Ye shall keep the Sabbath therefore, for it is holy unto you. Every one that defileth it shall surely be put to death. For whosoever doeth any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days may work may be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whosoever doeth any work in the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual, what? Covenant. Okay? It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed, and he gave unto Moses, he had made an end of, and he gave unto Moses when he had made an end of communion with him upon Mount Sinai, Two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. So in this covenant, he also he gives him the law, basically. The covenant was made with Moses, he gave him the law, but the sign in that law was the Sabbath. Okay? And so he makes a covenant with Moses to give him the law. And then see it says the covenant made with who do you think goes in your next blank? I'm David, you guys are right on track. So he gives David a covenant. And the covenant he gives with him is is a kingdom. And he promised that his seed would set upon it. And not only that, he promised that his seed would set on that throne forever. And yet that hasn't uh, been totally fulfilled yet. But so turn over to Second Samuel seven, and we'll look at this covenant. Second Samuel seven. And when someone gets there, I'm going to have you read verses one through seventeen. Anybody? Sure. And it came to pass, when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest, round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth with curtains, within curtains. And Nathan said it said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. And it came to pass that that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me a house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. In all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not me a house of cedar? 
Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheepcoat, from the from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people Israel. <clears throat> and I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in the place of their own, and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And I will be his father, and he will be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men, and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And the house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. According to all these words, and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. All right, well, thank you. So we see here that that God makes a contract or a covenant with, with David. And he goes a little farther than just what he says with Abraham and with Moses. He's setting this kingdom up, and he says he's going to set up a son out of David that will be the ruler, and he would rule forever. Uh, part of that's fulfilled with Solomon, but not all of it. In fact, most of it's with David, because that's or it's with I'm sorry with Christ. Christ will be that descendant. So he promises David that he will have a descendant sent on, on, on the throne. And so again, what we're just looking at is, is God's righteousness and we see it by the covenants that he makes with the Israelites. On page two of your handout, uh, number two, it says God's righteous acts are also shown by his signs. Signs goes in this one. Now we've already talked about some signs. But yet, there are signs all over the place in the Bible. Um, turn over to 1 Corinthians one twenty-two, And we're going to look at who are these signs for. First Corinthians one twenty-two says, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. So all through the Old Testament, even the New Testament, the Jewish people require a sign, and God has given them signs all the way through. Okay? First of all, God showed signs to Pharaoh and his servants. With all those miracles that he did, and what do you think God showed them the sign? He didn't have to have all those. You know, uh, Pastor Brian just went through that not very long ago in Exodus. Uh, 
And all those, how many signs were there that he gave? Anybody know? Ten plagues. There's ten plagues. I, I can't. I should have looked that up. I don't know off the top of my head. But all those plagues, all those signs, all those miracles that he did, was to get people to realize that the God that that Moses served was the God. Okay. They were aimed at Pharaoh, but Pharaoh hardened his heart, didn't he? But yet the Israelites were there also. And if they didn't believe in their own God, that should have surely got them, tipped them over the edge where they should have. Uh, because when, you know, here's what took me a long time to realize is that when God brought those Israelites and that group out from Egypt, they didn't all believe and worship God. They were just on the bus when it left Egypt. Now think about that. There was people that didn't serve the God of Moses, but they just wanted out of Egypt. So they were part of the group that kind of got everything going. But not every Israelite was serving God. And they also had some other... They had some Egyptians that snuck in there too that they just wanted to get out of town. So anyway, God showed His signs to Pharaoh and his servants. God showed His signs to His people all the way through history. Think of all the miracles that you see recorded in the Old Testament over and over and over. All, all the miracles that took place in the wilderness. All, all the miracles that took place when they got in the land. My goodness. I mean, can you imagine being at Jericho when the walls fell down? That'd be, that'd been awesome. Okay, so that, that'd be pretty cool, right? But yet, when they, when they fought against those nations in, in, in the land, there were seven nations that were greater than the Israelites. It says that the stars of heaven came down and helped fight them in the battles. And there were stones that came from the heavens that wiped out more people than the Israelites did. Now that would have been pretty neat to see. You know? You know, here you've got this army that you're trying to fight and you know, you've got 500 guys. I don't know how many guys they had. And the other team has 10,000 and all of a sudden boulders start dropping out of heaven knocking your enemy out. Now that'd be pretty awesome. Wouldn't it? I mean, all the signs, over and over and over, all those signs, all those miracles that we see in the Bible, God showed who He was because of those miracles and those signs. Okay, so God showed His signs not only to Pharaoh and his servants; He showed them to the Israelites. He showed them to the people, uh, uh, all those seven nations around the land of Israel that they defeated. Um, and yet, He showed the whole world. The whole world had seen what God had done for Israel. Think about Rahab. Rahab already admits who God is before it. Uh, before Joshua enters the land, just because of what she had heard that took place in the wilderness. Okay, think about Ruth. It doesn't really say why Ruth follows uh, Naomi back to the land, but it was something to do with her God. She was willing to give up her gods to to serve the God of Israel. Okay, and then what about uh, uh, Naaman? He's the guy in the Old Testament. What about Gideon? Gideon was a guy that was all about signs, wasn't he? He's like, okay, God, if, if, if you really want me to do this, I'm going to put this fleece out here and I want the fleece to be, I want it to be dry. 
I want and, it wet. and everything and the dew is going to be on the grass, but I want I want the fleece to be dry. Okay, so God does it, and then does He stop there? He's like, well, maybe that was a fluke. He <laughs> reverses. I, I want to reverse it this time. I want the ground to be dry and the fleece to be wet. And God's probably like, how many times do I have to do a sign for you? Okay, it's kind of like, you know, what what was that comedian that used to have? This is your sign. 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 It wasn't Foxworthy. That's he had the, He wanted to be a redneck, wasn't it? Oh, you're but, a redneck. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it. all part of his routine. Well, no, it was the. What was the other guy? Um, I don't remember that. Yeah. Bill. Oh, Bill Engle. Yeah. Bill Engle. Okay, his was. There's your sign, wasn't it? You know. You know the funny part about both of those. I can picture people. You know, you might be a redneck at this. You know. I'm on tape. I need to watch what I'm saying. You might be a red. You might be a redneck. You might be a redneck if you don't take the cigarette out of your mouth after you if you tell the highway patrolman something about why you pulled you over. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, I know somebody that's somebody in my family that would probably fit that description. And then you got Bill Engel. Well, there's your sign. And I'm like, I know people like that. Maybe me. I don't know. But that's the way it is with Israel. There's their sign right there over and over and over and they just keep doing it. So um, God showed His righteous acts by the, by the miracles, by the signs. Okay? And they are specifically for the Jews. Specifically. That even all the way up in the New Testament they were speaking in tongues. It was for a sign. It was to let those Jews realize. Unbelieving Jews know, hey, this is a sign. This is from God. We need to we need to wake up, pay attention to what's going on here. And yet, some did, some didn't. So we see God's righteous acts are shown by His signs. And then number three, God's righteous acts are shown by His rules. So when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments and He gave him His laws and He gave them all those rules to go by, you know, a lot of people are like, "Well, that that's not good." We, you know, we don't we don't like rules. Right, but yet that was for their good. Right, when you have when you give your kids rules, are, is that just because you want to be nasty to them, or is it to help them? I'm I looking at this conversation this past week. Did you really? <laughs> Do you sit down and talk to one of your kids? That's rules. That rule is there to help you. Right. Okay. Same way with God's laws. That that was that was a blessing when He gave them the Ten Commandments. That was a blessing. Our, even our laws today, even though we don't go by them, our laws in our country are based off of God's laws. Off of His rules. It's for our good. problem is we're not using them. Okay. So God's righteous uh, acts are shown by His rules. And then number four, God's righteous acts were shown by His provisions. And so God provided bread for the Israelites in the wilderness. He provided water for them. Remember, they're all upset because they don't have any water. And Moses hits the rock and water comes out of it. Do you not think they would see in that? <laughs> it's like... And then you know, the next thing you know, they're upset about something else. They're the most complaining group of people I ever saw. Um it was a light. God provided that pillar of light, at, at, you know, at night. And the cloud. He he provided protection for them all down through history. He, and he gave them the land. 
also gave them quail because they wanted meat. Right? So, yes, he gave him the manna, he gave him the bread, he gave him quail. I mean, over and over down through history, you'll just see God's righteous acts are shown by the provisions that he's given them. And then we get down to number five. It says, the people's sinful acts are shown by their disobedience. Disobedience goes in your blank. They hardened their necks. They rebelled. They made idols. They cast God's laws down. And here's what's really wild. And they slew God's prophets. It was bad enough just not to, you know, pay attention to them, give them reverence. It's like they killed them. We don't like what you say. We'll take you back and kill you. It kind of sounds like the Muslims today. And again, what's uh, uh, Jeff Dunham has that little puppet, you know? What's his name? Ahmed. It's standard procedure. We don't like you, we kill you. The dead terrorist. The dead terrorist. Now that is funny, but okay. So, uh, uh, can you imagine killing all the... We don't like what the preachers are saying, so let's kill all of them. Hmm. I take offense to that. Maybe I take more offense to that. I don't know. Uh, uh, they did not remember God's goodness to them. I mean, just go through the Old Testament. Look at the book of Judges. Look at the major and the minor prophets. Every time God would send a prophet, and I don't know if I've ever mentioned that in here, every time you see a prophet in the Bible, God's given them someone to wake them up because they're not obeying them. Oh my goodness. I mean, there's prophets all over the Old Testament. But that was their job. Their job was to, to be the wake-up call. You know, the, the prophets were basically like God's green braids that He's sending in to wake them up. And yet, they wouldn't, most of the time, they didn't obey Him. How many kings do you notice? You know, they'd go, well, let's get a word from God. Let's go talk to that one prophet that he has. I really don't like him because he doesn't say anything good about me. <laughs> wow. Okay. Over and over we see the pattern. Okay. And so, uh, and I had, a no- I had in my notes to, to talk about the time when God wanted to kill the Israelites and then Moses, but we, we already beat me to the punch there, so well. Uh, number six on our handout says the people admit their disobedience and they want to make amends. Amends goes in your blank. So back in Nehemiah, they, they are, they realize where they're at. They realize where they came from. They realize what God has done for them by bringing them back into the land, getting the temple rebuilt, getting the walls back in place, getting, getting the, the scribes and the priests back up to speed, and now they want to make amends in verses 36 through 38. And number one, they admit that they are servants because of their actions. At the very end, we were reading that. They're still under authority from the king of Babylon, but at least he let them to come back into the land. But they realize why they're in that position. Because they disobeyed God. Okay, And they admit that they're in distress. And so the people are coming before God because they want to make a new covenant with Him. Most of the time, it's always God coming to them saying, this is what I'm going to do for you. And now they want to go back